Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, everybody, to the April 5th edition of Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. It's Tim and Tim today, Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley. And before we get into questions from our readers, uh, we are uh, about 12 hours removed from the NCAA championship game with Villanova. I don't know that I want to say upset, but uh, uh, Villanova defeating North Carolina for the national championship. We had Pro Day earlier in the week. We'll talk about that a little bit and then, of course, jump into some of the things that are happening on the spring practice field. But, Tim, let's let's briefly go over this national championship game because great admiration for Villanova and the way they played in the NCAA tournament. Great admiration for the way North Carolina put things together in the postseason, beginning with uh, with the ACC tournament. But Villanova and Jay Wright, who couldn't get past the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, are the new national champs. Yeah, and high-quality championship game, which I've come to expect. I've, I was telling you guys off the air, this is my, it literally is my favorite sporting event. I can remember where I was sitting for the last 35 of them, which is kind of odd, I suppose. But the championship game usually delivers. Uh, that ending is among the all-time great endings. There's like there's about 14 or 15 A-plus championship games, so there's no reason to say it's the best game ever, but it was extremely entertaining throughout. Great comeback by Carolina. And I think it's the best ending to a game, even though there was a wide-open shot. Because, put it, let me put it this way. It's kind of like, if you're going to say the Syracuse-Indiana game, the Keith Smart shot we all right. know, that's like if Syracuse then hit a shot to win it. Right, right, right. Oh, it, or it's like if there was one second left in the Houston-NC State game and Drexler hits yeah. a half-court shot. I mean, it was just... It's because a, of the shot that Page hit, Yeah, because Page's would have been the all-time indelible shot, as Jack said. And then it's just, oh, man, what a great shot by Page. The, but <laughs> The all... Uh, Contortionist three-point oh. shot in the history of the insane finals. Oh, man, oh man, and what a player he! I mean, he was. We, we've been talking about him for three years. We don't want to get too much into North Carolina's players, right. but I feel like we cover North Carolina. And well, Duke we nowadays. did say, <laughs> yeah, we did exactly. We both said, uh, you know, off the air that uh, you feel like you know North Carolina. I feel like I know North Carolina as well as I know Notre Dame this year. I feel like I know their second string more than I knew Villanova starters. Is how I feel about <laughs> yeah. Carolina. And yeah. so, you know, you're, you're watching. I really didn't have a dog in the fight. It's I was glad when the shot went in because it was so dramatic. Yeah. Um, but boy, it, I enjoyed. People always said, you know, the, uh, the semifinals were bad. They usually are. Just give it a chance. Go to Monday night. It's the best game of the year. It really well, I, is. I it's, always say it's athletic competition. They're not out there to please us. Yeah. Well, they you know, pleased I mean, us last night anyway. Well, they did. They did. Yeah, they <laughs> did in the championship game. But sometimes they're ugly, and that's just right. that's just uh, that's just the way it is. But you know, Jay Wright, a guy that's been criticized a lot. I think very well liked and well respected yeah. within the industry. And Villanova's kind of an amazing program. I mean, they won a national title in 85, and they played for one. I guess that was eventually vacated with Howard Porter yeah, back, in yeah. the, back in the early 70s. But, you know, I went and looked up enrollment, like 6,000 students at Villanova, and here they are national hey, champs. In my lifetime, watching Carolina, they hadn't lost a championship game. So yeah. that's, I mean, they, they're, they're the blue bloods. And you know what? You said vacated. Might be good they didn't win. It's not these guys that did it, but they are... 
about to go on probation. Well, that's true. Or and, and to, to, to some degree. To some degree, I, I, it's I, going I, to be tainted. Like, yeah. Connecticut's isn't vacated, even though they didn't go to class the whole yeah. year and were disallowed. All right, from I, let's not yeah. get into yeah. vacating. I don't no, want to talk no, about no, that. that. Uh, yeah, pro day the other day, you know, 17 Notre Dame, former Notre Dame players, uh, past and, and recent present. Um, interesting, some guys really helped themselves. I think, you know, I wrote about Chris Brown the other day, uh, and prior to that, Kavari Russell, um, the, the one-man publicity department for Kavari Russell, uh, and, and Matthias Farley, who, you know, I clocked him at four four five right along with the NFL guys. I thought I was wrong. I didn't know what they had at that point. But Matthias Farley, he's not going to get drafted, but he certainly has gotten himself into a camp as a free agent. Yeah, he gets a phone call immediately now because they're going to now look at his tape. I think Gabriel brought this up on our on our Yeah, board. and they're going to see a physical football player that's kind of all over the field. And who's tremendous on special teams. When yeah. they have a, they're going to have a special teams tape ready for Matthias Farley. Yeah. I would think Notre Dame, he was easily the best player on special teams last year, and maybe of the Kelly era. I mean, he made every play, including recovering onside kicks. Right. It was, yeah, that really helped him because you just would never think of him as a prospect. And then it's, you know, he would have gone to a camp, but that's like... Being invited to camp right after the draft is over is kind of key for these guys because I think it gives them a leg up at least starting. No, out. no doubt about it. And I make fun of Kavari Russell, but you've got to you've got to have some bravado to play in the NFL. Well, he's, he's got, got he he's got enough for you know several guys. But that's good. And and you know what? Well, first of all, I don't believe in the phrase "it isn't bragging" if if you can do it <laughs> because it's good. still bragging. Yeah. But he did it. I mean, he yeah. went out and showed it, and here he was. You know, and he, he's he's quick to remind about. The injury that he played with during the season, and they tweaked his hamstring last week. But the fact of the matter is, he went out and ran a uh, what a four four two four four four. I had a four four two. I think it would be a four four five. Right? Was the official? I think it was four four four. That's fast. <laughs> that is that is fast. And in addition to that, I mean, he tested well on all the other measurables. So, I mean, he's hot commodity. He definitely gets drafted. How high? He says he thinks he's a first rounder. That won't happen. Uh, he, it, 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 it won't, it He's probably awesome. won't happen in the second and even third, maybe that's, third, that's but I think shortly thereafter, yeah. you're going to hear Kavari Russell because he backed it up. Um, you know, he has experience and he's a guy that believes he belongs there. And that's, you know, that's part of the process too. He's got some workouts coming too. That's why it could be third. He could just look great in he three team workouts. And right. That does it for you. You know, it's funny. Um, the, the story coming out of pro day with Russell was he actually jumped farther than his 11-2 broad jump, something like 11-5 or 11-6. Oh, but he couldn't keep maintain his balance. Which so that dis, that disallows it technically. Right. But his of course his line was doesn't matter. They all saw it. The scouts right. they saw how explosive right. I am. It's like uh, getting something put to the jury. That's a <laughs> objection sustained. Well, they heard it. It's fine. <laughs> exactly. And it, I mean, I'm really happy for Chris Brown. I mean, Chris Brown's a a really yeah, likable kid, and he and he really showed himself. And I, you know how I I felt about him during the season. I I, I mean, I thought he kept coming and coming, making. Uh, you know, clutch catches, third down catches, chain moving receptions, and he tested well. Man, he is still, you know, he's listed at 193. We saw him with his shirt off, like and he is just, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. he is just, there isn't an ounce of fat on that body, and he really, um, you know, really showed himself well. I stand by this. If you didn't know who was Will Fuller and who was Chris Brown, the way Brown went up, fearlessly reaching over his head to make grabs, whereas you can still see in Will Fuller, when he can have his body behind his hands, he chooses that in case he has a little difficulty making the grab with his hands. Yeah, I think Will Fuller will get better at that. But, if I mean, Chris Browns right now is more polished in terms of catching the ball. But, I mean, Will Fuller, 
doesn't matter what they're for. I know, he ran the fastest 40 at the pecan, or second fastest 40 in, of all college players, but he's even faster than that. Yeah. We, I mean, we, you, you're 100% right that Chris Brown, you wouldn't have known who the All-American was. Until put the tape. Until in. you put <laughs> the tape. In. No, you see I'm the not, I, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. taking nothing Wanted away sure from Will Fuller. Yeah. I'm talking about that specific day. Will Fuller's proven it time and again with 29 touchdowns the last two years. And you know, I mean, his profile is only going up. It's not going backward. And and uh, it'll be really interesting to see. The draft is less than a month away, and it, it will be really interesting to see. I, I always say, all it takes is one team to believe that he's. The guy, but I think there are enough red flags there that will keep him out of the first round. That that's what I think. I mean, I just yeah, I don't know enough about the other wide receivers. That's, well, that's what that, it comes down that's to. Another, it, it's, that, it's that's another factor, now, no yeah. doubt about it. No no doubt about that. Well, uh, let's jump into spring practice before we wrap up segment number one. And any surprise? I mean, it's kind of a, a a broad topic, but maybe maybe pick a position where that that interests you the most. Surprises, observations, what have you? I think. Wide receivers is the interesting one to me. Getting Equinemius moved over to W, as you mentioned, off the year makes a lot of sense. Um, with Corey Robinson's been out for a while with concussion, and Boykin, the other W, you no, know, he he missed. He missed a little time. Yeah, but he's he's back. Uh, he has a spiral fracture of his finger. that has got pins in there. And yeah. Mike Denbrock said yesterday he catches the ball better now than he did before. Uh, he had that on there. He just thinks it's the elite of the elite athlete is able to block out that pain and focus on things he wasn't focusing on he's before. Probably, he's yeah, he's concentrating yeah. a little bit more. It's uh, and it's not that badly timed of an injury because he'll be fine for blocking. If it was August, you'd worry about how he'd be able to block during the season. And then Elizay Jones playing a little W, which again I think makes perfect sense oh, yeah, because that is a that's a wide receiver that they list as a tight end. Denbrock called it 11A, you know, the 12 package. Yeah. That's a, they, they actually have the package where Elizay Jones is playing the W. Um, I don't know what this speaks to about when they expect Corey Robinson back. They're trying to, but as you mentioned, these are big bodies that go to the boundary. And we talked to Denbrock and asked him to differentiate X and W in more technical terms. Again? And he did a great <laughs> job with it, though. He, he really broke it down just saying that, you know, Coach Kelly always mentions there's all that space at the X when you're playing to the wide side of the field. But the real key to the boundary is it's just you got to have a guy comfortable with getting bumped in short space, getting open in short space. I mean, it speaks to Chris Brown's development in the past as a W. can't think of He's that. A, he doesn't really fit that No, position. self-made guy. Not self. I mean, the, the coaches help. So I mean, the, the development of Chris Brown over two years playing that <laughs> – for for fans listening, that's Michael Floyd's spot. You think right? Absolutely, the monster uh, yeah. of Michael Floyd will get open on the boundary, and then and that's now you know, maybe that's why Alize Jones is there. He did mention that EQ um, St. Brown is little lost there right now. He's used to having all that room to operate at the X, which makes a lot of sense. But out of the X, they have Tory Hunter. He has moved out of the Z. I don't think he's going to play the Z this year unless they get more guys hurt. Uh, and Stepherson is backing him up at the X with Corey Holmes in the slot. Will be their fastest slot they've ever had. They're a different body type. Yeah, and you know you got you've got Claypool and McKinley coming in as yeah. well, which that may give you flexibility with Hunter. Uh, you know, big bigger right. bodies. Right. Uh, certainly, you know, McKinley's probably a W. Claypool has the length of a W, but is probably athletic enough to play X or Z. And we mentioned he couldn't get into it technically, but we we mentioned will you put a big body in the slot to accompany Holmes? And I think the insinuation was Claypool. Well, that's, because they've had ProSize there in the past, and you have better yeah, blocking. No, that's an interesting and, combination. It is, it is. Well, the position I that I find a little bit fascinating, based upon a conversation with Todd Light the other day, is is the secondary. And you know, he was kind of like making a pitch, like, "Oh, you, you know, we're gonna, we as in Notre Dame is going to narrow their focus on the top ten DBs in the country, and we're and we're gonna get one of those." 
He, I mean, he, nice. he feel, yeah, I mean, he feel, <laughs> he feels he can do that, and it was almost like a pitch, like, hey, all you great DBs, come on in, because you can play right away. And I, you know, when you look at the, the secondary, I think Cole Luke is almost undoubtedly going to hold down yeah. one of the starting he, spots. But now Watkins uh, suffers the the broken humerus, which the last time I remember that injury was Ron Paulus, and that is a significant, significant injury, the largest bone in your arm. Uh, it's broken, so it's going to take him a long time, you know, to get to get back from that. So, who's the other corner? I, you naturally you think Crawford because they've said, well, you know, he won the nickel last year, but we want to give him a chance to win the other corner spot. But basically, from talking to Light, Luke and Crawford have been playing the same position. I think with the idea in mind that Crawford's going to be the nickel, but with Watkins hurt. Now what do you do? You know, do you, you don't do you go back to Devin Butler? I don't think that's an upgrade. Do you give Nick Coleman a chance? Not based upon the way Todd Light was yelling at him the other day. So you know, I, I don't know. He's I, a big my, opportunity yeller, though. So yeah. Oh well, no <laughs> doubt, no doubt. He was he was on a lot of people the other day. But I mean, I, just, I when I look at the secondary, and I think Drew Tranquil's obviously a guy they want to have on the field in some capacity, yeah. if not necessarily, you know, strong safety. You you put him in the box and 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 do some different things with him, but. My point is this: I look at the secondary. Todd Light's making a pitch for all the great DBs in the country to look here because you got a chance to play right away. Exhibit A: Devin Studstill. That's what right, he's telling right. recruits. So it's it's wide open back there. Way more bodies than we've been accustomed to. I think that's a good situation with the intent of bringing many, uh, quite a few more in again in the next recruiting cycle. But as we sit here right now, and it's spring, but as we sit here right now. That's a that's a hodgepodge of talent that hasn't quite all fallen into place. Yeah, and um, building on guys coming in, Van Gorder mentioned last week. I was kind of surprised when we were talking about the nickel. He said we have guys coming in that are inside out corners that we think are going to contribute immediately to the nickel. Now we'll see if they can handle it. But he's talking about pride, obviously. He, he's talking about pride. And, and maybe, he's talking about love. And I tell you, yeah. the guy that Todd Light comes back to every time from right from the beginning of. Uh, uh, signing day is Jalen Elliott. He loves Jalen Elliott. He thinks he has great savvy. He flat out said the other day he's going to come in and make an impact right away. Well, I like Dante Vaughn, so let's well, see he is great. Yeah, he is great. <laughs> well, Todd Light might know a little more on this topic, yeah, but I like Dante yeah, Vaughn. Yeah, and so. he makes he'll make more decisions about that than you. All right, many more. <laughs> All right, that's segment one. We'll come back with questions from our readers. Burning up the boards is segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider, and we start with a question from Irish from AZ, as in Arizona. It's hard to imagine the defense getting better this year after losing Jalen Smith and Day and Russell Shumate Okwara. How can the unit improve on a pretty mediocre season after losing a number of experienced and talented players? It is Good hard. question. It is hard to imagine. It is hard to imagine. <laughs> I'm having trouble imagining it right now. <laughs> I, uh, I don't, you know, I know I understand Coach Van Gorder's answer, and actually, kind of, it took a while for me to figure out what he was getting at. When he mentioned, well, my first way of answering that is Jalen Smith was uncomfortable when I first got here moving from Sam to Will. His point is, a lot of guys are in their third year. Whether they played a lot or not are in their third year. So Greer Martini will be a linebacker on this team, one of the top four linebackers. He's in his third year. Anawalu, third year of the defense. Niles Morgan, third year of the defense. The defensive backs are mostly second and third year in the defense. So that's his point. Everyone knows the scheme more or should know the scheme more. Although one freshman seems to know the scheme more than some other guys on defense. but So his point is, it's not the player. Replacing the player is really hard to do. I mean, Notre Dame will not be better at weak side linebacker this year. 
absolutely, 100%, unequivocally, they will not have a better weak that's side linebacker. That's given, yes. And, but that's not how you play football either. I mean, there are they won't have a better to three technique. Jerry Tillery will not be better than Sheldon Day this year. No chance. But collectively, you got 11 guys, you have sub-packages, you have a lot. If you're playing 20 defensive guys over the course of the year, they all if there's fewer busts, there are plenty of busts last year. I mean, my gosh. Yeah, I would say, yeah. I think, I think and the one area where... I mean, the question is, how can the unit improve? If the D-line maximizes its talent and its depth, yeah. Yeah. and I realize it doesn't have Sheldon Day, and you're absolutely right, Jerry, Jerry Tiller is not going to play that level. But he does have some assets, and yeah. he brings to the yeah. position some length, um, you know, the ability to, to defend side to side maybe, but uh, he won't do it as well as Sheldon Day. But collectively, yeah. what we're hearing about Isaac Rochelle and the progress that he's made as a pass rusher I think Isaac Rochelle has a chance to develop into a top three round, four round pick. Oh yeah, He's... no, no doubt about that. If Trombetti can can uh, you know get a comfort zone at the rush end spot and maximize his ability and cut it loose, as Brian Kelly said, right. you know I think there's some numbers there and there's some depth. We, I guess you know we, we say that every year, but I think the nose tackle. They, it can be better this year. Jerron Jones and Daniel Cage, no one-two punch is way better than Cage and 18-year-old yeah, yeah, I mean, so yeah. in answer to the question, I think that's where it has to start. It has to start the D-line, and then some of the things that Van Gorder said, Anawalu's experience, yeah. Martini needs to recover and somehow get on the field in what capacity, I don't know. You know, every time I talk to Niles Morgan, I come away feeling good about what he can do, doesn't he? I, I mean, flipped, he. Uh, Morgan's going to start in the middle this year. I'm flipping away from our. I thought you had a great point earlier that, like, you know, Martini's going to play. He is going to play. But Morgan, I think Morgan. I, I agree. have faith in Morgan to, to have a I agree. solid and I, and I yeah. think it, I really think it's important for them to say, not, not to hand him the job no, per no, se, but, but to say, you are the man. We want you to win this job. Now go get it done. I like his personality. I like his determination. I liked it from the right? Yeah, it was just so weird. I didn't get it. I couldn't find a role last year. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think that's really important. And, and somehow, Martini, I don't know if that means the will. I don't know if that's the right fit. Uh, is, it's probably everywhere, right? Yeah, I mean, his best fit is probably Sam, but they're not going to take on a while no. off the field. So, I don't know how that all works out. And I talked in the previous segment about DBs and, and where are they. We don't know. I think it's important that Drew Tranquil is a part of the equation. Obviously, Cole Luke. Uh, Sean Crawford's going to make a difference whether he's the starting corner or the starting nickel. The so, DBs I mean, can be better than last year. It doesn't matter that they lost two starters. The defensive backs, past defense, can be better than it was last yeah. year. I mean, it, they're deeper. They'll have a nickel. It's remarkable that they only had one option at nickel last year. But assuming Sean Crawford doesn't get hurt again, they'll have a nickel. Yeah. You mentioned defensive line depth. There's secondary depth, too. So that that's the only way. I mean, look. You're not, you don't just replace players plug-and-play and say this guy can be better than that guy. It, it is just collectively as a unit. If you stop the run better and your secondary makes more plays, all of a sudden you're better. All sacks are not created equal either. You might not get Romeo Quara's nine sacks, but what if your sacks come against Michigan State and Stanford if you're Andrew Trumpetti? Yeah. That, that's what matters. Well, know? and then, and then, you know, then it comes down to opponents and yeah, matchups, yeah, which we're, we're not all caught up on at this stage of the, the year. So September's rough. I'm caught up. Uh, I mean, again, a good question because I think it's on the minds of everybody, <laughs> yeah. and it, it is a concern. But maybe there are ways uh, to to show improvement. Statman seventy two. Having three quarterbacks share reps reduces the number of reps for whomever ultimately is named a starter. How significantly will this hinder developing the connection between the quarterback and the entirety of the receivers? Which I did ask Mike Sanford mm-hmm. about um, chemistry between quarterback and receiver. And he said it's, it's a valid question because sure. there hasn't been a lot of live action, and not in game situations. But he says, you know, 
That's the whole purpose of the summer. You can develop that chemistry. And you can also, it doesn't have to be established in a game first. It can be established on the practice field, and then you carry it over to the game. Yeah, and August camp won't have, I understand the question too with the spring reps, but they need to get Brandon Wimbush reps. They have to. I mean, you're, and you're definitely getting your top two guys reps every year, like Zaire and Golson last year. Kaiser wasn't getting reps because Kaiser was so far behind where Wimbush is now last spring by his own admittance and by Brian Kelly. And Kaiser had a very rough personal thing going on last spring. He wasn't close to Brandon Wimbush right now. you got to get Wimbush reps. But in August, that's not happening. It's two guys get reps after week one, and then then the decision gets made in a couple weeks after that. How, how close is... See, I guess I would kind of dispute that because, I mean, how close is Wimbush understanding the big picture, knowing how smart Deshaun Kaiser is? And I know where he was last spring. He wasn't even in the picture. And he wasn't playing well when he had opportunities. He's admitted that. But in terms of grasp of the system, wouldn't Kaiser still have been ahead of where Wimbush is now? I don't think so because Kaiser was with the scout team as a freshman and Wimbush was with the varsity. Okay, that makes sense. He had to be involved and ready to play. Um, I think you have to get Wimbush. Reps. I know. I understand it's not ideal. It'd be great if there were more reps to go around for the first two to, to get with the receivers, but there's really no other and, way of doing it. And let mean. me, in answer to the question about guys losing out on reps, look, <laughs> these guys practice a lot, yeah. and they are going to throw a ton of of you know quarterback to receiver, quarterback to tight end passes from the middle of April up until the start right. of camp. Oh, it's yeah. going to happen a lot. So. There are plenty of reps and plenty of throws out there within the course of a 15-day spring practice. There's 15 practices during the spring. There are way more reps than I think we realize because we don't see them. If we, if all the practices were open and everything was videoed, you'd know how many opportunities yeah. they have. Well, I think I think nowadays, and probably for the last 25 years, summer is so much more important than spring practice for skill position players. Like, the offensive line needs spring to coalesce and do all these things. And, right. But wide receivers and quarterbacks, and that's all. That's three months of summer compared to these 15 practices. Right. It's, it's huge, and it's, a, it's on them to do it, but now, I mean. But they know they what do it to now do. Too. Yeah, they know, they do. They know, they what know to do. exactly yeah, what to even. do. You know, I mean, they, they don't just. <laughs> just throw the ball around. I mean, yeah, they, you know, they're, they're, they're kids. I'm sure there's a little bit of screwing around sure, sometimes. Sure, but, but yeah. you know, they know, they know how to get less to this work. year. Well, all yeah. the, you know, just go to go to yeah. pro day and see the dozen, two dozen current players watching yeah. the guys that have graduated or have run out of eligibility. They know what's at stake here, and they're going to go get that done. Question from Todd Light, HAU five. I don't know what that is? It's an interesting. Handle. I don't yeah. think it's uh... Hunter Biven, Colin McGovern, and Jimmy Byrne all came in as fairly highly ranked prospects. Can you explain what's kept them off the field over the last few seasons and provide predictions? as to whether any of them will crack the starting rotation during their time in Well, number one, they're going up against a lot of other yeah. highly rated competition. I mean, when you look at Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey, I, I don't know, he wasn't necessarily a, a, a premier prospect, but you knew the, the frame and everything. It's a lot of four-star guys. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No, no doubt about it. I mean, Steve Elmer was highly yeah. rated. Sam Mustafer was highly rated. Alex Bars was highly rated. So, I mean, it has a lot to do with it. But I understand the question. Um well, Bivens going to start probably. Yeah, One I mean, of these he's guys in Canada right now. Yeah. I, I think that they've had a hard time zeroing in on a position for him because he started out inside. Yeah. When he then went outside. They went for outside. Two years. Now they're looking at him inside. So there was a reason why they started him on the inside to begin with because there was some question of mobility. 
I didn't think Jimmy Byrne was a very good prospect coming out of high school, so I, I don't think that that's a surprise. Uh, Colin McGovern probably somewhere in between there. And I think Colin McGovern's a sixth man. I, I don't think that he's the kind of guy that you necessarily look to to be your starter, but you know he understands what they're doing. You know he has some degree of physicality. He's more guard than tackle, but he's played both. And I think that they've looked at him as a, as a guy, quote, off the bench like a six-man in basketball. And Coach Eastan mentioned a couple of these guys yesterday. We were in-depth we're in on Biven, and I wrote about him McGovern. Right now they have Biven inside because they like Bars as a tackle. They right. need Bars as a tackle. He didn't say this is official, but I don't think Bars is moving back inside for this year because he did say we need Alex Bars' talent at right tackle. That means right guard is the spot that's open. Hunter Biven's a senior. He just kicked back inside. I think he'll be fine inside. It's he's easier a, to play guard than it is he's tackle. He's a powerful guy. Uh, when people say he looked bad last year, they went in the spring game, they're looking at left tackle. That's much different than playing right, right guard. Uh, and McGovern, as as he stands said, he is also better suited, he thinks, for guard. McGovern missed five practices of this spring. There's been nine with a concussion. Um, that put him back a little bit. The one thing about McGovern being the sixth man, he could also play tackle if he needs to. They said he could also play tackle. I really think Tommy Kramer is coming in as a backup left backup tackle that if there's an injury, we'll play this year. Because I don't think they like McGovern or Bivin that much at tackle. And Hodge, Tristan Hodge, we assume Sam Musfer is going to win this job, even though Harry Heastan mentioned it's a little closer maybe than had been indicated by the head man in charge. Right. right. Hodge could be end up being the first guard off the bench, too. That's my, maybe Hodge could pass McGovern as well. But at all other counts, I think Jimmy Byrne would be third string um, once the freshmen get here. Yeah, I, I go back with Hodge. I mean, I just, I want, you'd size. like to see the size and the yeah. physicality to prove that he's a between-the-tackles performer for them. So we'll see. I don't, you know, I mean, I don't think it's a bad situation. Again, Jimmy Byrne, I don't think, has ever really been in competition here. And they're, I mean, they're... they're it, there are a lot. Harry Heastan doesn't recruit many. You know, uh, he's the only guy not to play from the class yet. He's going to be. Yeah, I mean, he recruits. Yeah. He he recruits really good offensive linemen. So there's tough competition. Iris Bob, pick a player who has seen very little playing time who could have a breakout season on offense and defense. I mean, I was going to say Hunter Biven, but <laughs> it's not a breakout season. Well, that, no, that, I know. The point I, I mean, that, 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 the point does stand. That that's when you're going through this. It's. It's just, I mean, this whole team is new guys. I mean, Durham Smythe counts as a breakout. He's four catches. Oh, breakout, yeah, yeah. It's it, there's. I mean, you know, I, I, obvious. Corey Holmes has a has a great opportunity yeah, he hasn't here, played at all. especially it's, with Sanders being uh, hurt this spring. So, if you want an exciting answer, Dexter Williams, he's going to have a good year. I think Dexter Williams is going to be involved in the running game this year, because first of all, either Dexter Williams, Josh Adams, or Torian Folson is going to get hurt in September because somebody always gets hurt at running back. Yeah. It's just the way the, the sport works. I mean, well, guys they go down. Good, yeah, they have a good situation there, yeah. and, yeah. I, and I think that you can find, you can pick and spot, you pick and choose spots for Dexter Williams. How about Sean Crawford? Sean Crawford's going to yes. be on the field yeah. a lot in some capacity. I think he's a he's a different. That's a difference maker. Oh, that I, is a I love the guy. That's I a mean, significant difference. When you, going back to the question about how's his defense going to improve, Sean Crawford healthy playing up to his potential. He's a football player. He knows how to make plays. He's a difference maker. People are going to love Sean Crawford if he's healthy and playing all year. And this the that football football first sounds pitch, but yes, it's he is when he is on the field. He is all about beating his man 
and it's great to watch. You don't have that with all 85 guys. When I picture, and we have, it's not like we've seen a ton of Sean Crawford no, on the Northern football boy, field. We did. We but when you picture it, yeah, but when you picture it, here's what I picture. Him positioning himself to make a play on a receiver. That's what I picture in my mind. I see him angling, finding the right spot, yeah. knowing where to be to play the throw that's being made to the receiver that's tried to make a move on him to prevent him from making that play. That's the image I have in my head from seeing him in August. Fairly, yeah, yeah August, yeah. mainly August of last year. And then kind of shoving the guy. Too. That's good. I like, I like that aspect of it too. He's got yeah. that competitiveness to him. That's I, I mean, that's why he won the job in about three days as a nickel over a coming over a fifth year senior who did fine yeah. in that role in Farley. Yeah. I mean, Farley was realized right away. We interviewed Farley last August. He said Sean Crawford is great in the slot. And, uh, I'm tutoring him on uh, on the position. That's right. It, I think Alex Bars has a chance yeah, to be really really yeah. good. Uh, I mean, all signs point to Kevin Stefferson being a player. Uh, you know, there there are a lot of bodies out there, and he's one of the, the young ones, and there's a couple more young ones coming in. But Brian Kelly made the comment he's a, how do you put it, I mean, a great catcher of passes, yeah, I think is what he catcher. said. Ball but yeah, catcher. ball catcher, yeah. okay. Yeah, I mean, I, and, and there's no substitute for that. Throw him the ball, he catches it. You get a lot of playing time when you... When you do that. It's wide open. A wide receiver. And there's two guys coming in that'll make it even more wide open. But boy, Stefferson early enrollee, he got a huge leg up on those guys because if he came in in August with them, I think it would probably be scout team on the way to the scout team. But this doesn't hurt, man. This is, it's not, it's a much deeper, more talented unit than when TJ Jones came in and was the starter from day two of spring ball yeah. all the way through his senior yeah. year. But it, it's kind of that thing. Jones really got a leg up by coming in. And I think this whole roster, <laughs> there's so many young guys that have to play. On this team, and we keep mentioning the young guys. I think he might have wanted the junior seniors, so I think Alex Bars was probably the best call. Okay, well, let me throw in one more young guy, and yeah. it's no surprise. It's Studstill. I mean, we, I, we, you know, I think, I think all of us love Studstill's high school film, and he came in, and you know, it's one thing to have great high school film, but then another thing to come in and show that you can play safety. <laughs> In Brad Van Gorder's system, as an early entry freshman, it's really rather amazing. It is. It's it's totally the exception to the rule. And he's playing in the sub pack. I know it's the same position, but he's playing in all the sub packages too. We watched the dime work, and there's Avery Sebastian, Nico Fertitta, and Max Redfield watching. This is one snippet of a session, but they watched the whole. They watched the whole thing. They rotated everybody else on defense yeah. in the dime. They brought in Spencer Perry. And we asked about Spencer Perry, and he's still learning. But he right. was rotating in. Right. Stud still is. Obviously ahead of the game in that regard. I still don't know what's going to happen in August because 23 starts and athleticism, and my gosh, you got to put it together. Right? Yeah, no doubt. And, I, you know, to throw another veteran name out there, and this probably doesn't fit the criteria because we have seen him, but Greer Martini needs to be on the field for this for this defense to function, I think, the way Brian Van Gorder does. Is there somebody more athletic than him, a Tavon Coney? And Asmar Bilal. I don't know. Someone told you Martinez is the most athletic some linebacker. Some former Notre Dame player told me that Greer Martini is the most athletic linebacker on the roster now. His point being, he knows what he's doing, and the fact is he's got the jump on everything because he understands what the offenses are doing, and that makes you more athletic. But I think in general, he believes he's the most yeah. athletic uh, guy out there. I'm talking about – that's what Joe Schmidt said. Uh, go for <laughs> Go fighting, go fight Wingo Irish. After hearing the BBG had to say in defending his defense's complexity, after hearing what BBG had to say in defending his defense's complexity, should we feel confident that he can finally get his D all on the same page? Kind of. Yes, yeah, the third year thing. That's what he's saying. It's yeah. the third year thing. Um, 
Likeable, likeable and learnable might be the new uh, catchphrase. Though I hope, might, hopefully it's not the one we talk about. Like nine and three is not good enough, and all that. Interesting but, to see you know. virtually every media outlets latching on. to Well, that he phrase. said it. He reiterated it. He said it twice. That's why it, we, we, I don't think it made every write up that it was said twice. But he he said it twice. And you know what? I, I understand why he was doing it. He the question was asked from our little media point of view. Like, hey, your defense seems difficult. Fans don't like it. He was answering it from a recruiting point of view. Yeah. He, that's why he said it's likable and learnable. Come in here, we put a lot in your toolbox, but it's a likable, learnable defense. Am I confident they'll all be on the same page in April? No. How about you? Are you confident they'll all be on the same page just no, in the third year? No, absolutely, absolutely okay, right, not. I mean, I don't. I think we see evidence that it's not. Yeah. So, but it doesn't have to be. We can re-ask that in August, though. So that's the yeah. good, that's a good question. All right, our last question from C. Domer. Last season, Notre Dame football seemed to be played by slow starts in many games. Is the coaching staff making that a focus this offseason? In your opinion, what needs to be changed to get them rolling out of the gates faster? And the answer is... Nobody knows. And Brian <laughs> Kelly mentioned it's really hard to know why, if he knew why they started slowly, they would stop They would stop starting slowly. I mean, we asked Joe Schmidt, why do you start slow? We don't know. We have to start faster. It's, it's hard to pinpoint what it is because one of their main things is start fast. It's been since Brian Kelly got here, start fast. Sometimes they do, but I got to tell you, in the losses, and I wish I had my little sheet in front of me, but it's about now with Ohio State included, I'm going to estimate it is 15, 14 or 15 of Brian Kelly's 23 losses. Is that it? They got down by 10 or 14 that's points a, to start the game. That's a really disturbing stat. It is, and it's I'll say 14 to round down. I, I think it might be even higher, but I'll look it up. It's very strange to me why they start slowly in games. Um, they rarely come back and win those games. It's hard to do. North Carolina's won. I know they went down 14-0 and came back in that crazy game. But if they knew, really knew, it wouldn't keep happening. Now, the only way Brian Van Gorder mentioned addressing it is we are going to try starting faster in our practice drills and scrimmages. But that, I mean, I was assuming you tried that before. I don't think that solves it. Where, okay, yeah. where, which side of the ball of the slower starts happening more frequently? Well, you don't have 14 nothing. It's both, right? I mean, if you think well, about it, it, you're not scoring. It, it, it is, but you, can't, yeah. but you can't always be expected to score. The in defense. Your first... I feel like the defense. Right, that's, yeah, that's yeah, my yeah. point. Okay. And, and so tempo and do what things that that's – I don't think that's the issue. I yeah. think the issue is you're not fundamentally sound because you're so scheme-oriented that you're getting zapped in the first couple drives of the game. That's a good point. I mean, that, that's – it's better than the uh, the bus ride was late comment that was thrown out last year, if you recall that one. Our 100 hour and 15 minute bus ride was tough in the rain. Yeah, that's, that, <laughs> that, that's not you one. can't that's you not can't use one. as an excuse. Yeah. I, I just I don't I don't feel like. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. In I actually order, think you might probably, be right. <laughs> I, I mean, really think it's a good point. I, yeah. You know, it, you you've got so much scheme and so much going through your head. You want to be emotional and come out physical, and then, but I've got so much scheme going through my head and so many decisions to be made pre-snap, and Joe Schmidt's sprinting 30 yards downfield. Wait, to get... Isn't that weird, though, that it was Joe Schmidt on that? I mean, Joe Schmidt... And again, I'm not we blaming don't know Joe. It was Joe. No, it was Joe, and Jalen. Joe Schmidt. It was Joe I... and Jalen's side. They've, they're the two of the best players you could possibly have for knowing a scheme. And they it was just... I mean, it was a bad fit. When, when Joe Schmidt has to sprint 30 yards yeah. to get to a spot... Yeah, that would be ...to schematic. defend it. If he was the one that had to get there, that would be... If it was on... I don't think yeah. it's on him. Hey. No, I don't. I don't think it's on him. No, I'm at saying all. that I, necessarily I, had to be the guy to defend that. Even he would, might have just been hustling all the way down the field. Well, maybe because yeah. he saw an opening right. that yeah. needed to be defended. I don't know. I, I mean, I just in answer to the question, I think it's more. Man, you're you got you have so much scheme that I don't not my head's just spinning when the game starts mm-hmm. and boom they hit us. Then what if they come up with something that you haven't 
prepared for. Now, now, how do you react Which to that? Which many teams do to start a game because that's how you're trying to get your. Right. I mean, offenses come and out with are, a new thing to start a game. Right. But and we are talking game. about this phenomenon happening in the last well, this, two years, right? Oh, and, a lot of it, but it, that's just Kelly's career. It's fourteen or fifteen where they get behind like that. So it's not only, but it's been oh, it's been it's snowballed the last two years. It it's has snowballed the last two years. Yeah. All three yeah. losses last year. The other team scored, scored. Now Notre Dame was scoring with Stanford, but yeah, they gave up points. 14 to Clemson, 14 to Stanford, and 14 to Ohio State. Uh, against Stanford, they had the huge kick return that helped offset that by Sanders. But, yeah, those it's a defensive yeah. – defense is the common denominator well, here? Is that what you're saying? And it, it, well, an interesting <laughs> – Mike, Mike Sanford says uh, that they're doing way better in red zone, but now they're struggling on third down. So, it's hard to get to the red zone. If yeah, 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 yeah. But, I, you know, I think they feel like they're going to be much improved in the red zone, whether it's with the, the – two quarterbacks and the assets that you have or whatever. We could go on and on, but we're going to cut it off right here. And we're going to, hey, we've been on this Tuesday uh, cycle for uh, for our podcast, but we're going to jump back into Monday because we're going to have a full practice on Saturday to witness. It'll all become crystal clear. We'll know everything we need to know. Well, we'll have a lot more opinions <laughs> <Yes>. anyway. <laughs> we'll have a lot more misguided opinions yeah, than we normally do. Then we can change in June. Uh, and, 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 and we expect Pete Sampson to be back with the crew uh, by this weekend and then, of course, on our, our podcast on Monday, April 11th. So you've been listening to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. I'm Tim Parisi with Tim O'Malley, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>